But would you hang out with a murderer for $14.47 an hour? I guess it depends on who he killed. Um, Dave. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 221. This week, we had the last bit of primary mop-up, inmate monitoring, the bed pooper, and the latest in the war on parents. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Do you not have to say, like, what show this is? I said 221. Well, that's the episode number. You used to be I, like, you're listening to the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. That's before we had the bumper music and the, and the pre-recorded. <sighs> All right. Well, happy Pride Month. <laughs> it is Pride Month. Are you proud? <laughs> I guess. Everything is rainbow. Ah, man, I... I, I didn't even know June was Pride Month. You know why it bothers me that there's a Pride Month? Why is that? Because it has nothing to do with the issue itself. I mean, you do you, people. Like, whatever. But it, it has to do with the fact that, like, all year long we hear about inclusivity and acceptance and tolerance. And then we have an entire month dedicated to inclusivity and tolerance Inequality, like it just doesn't make sense. How about a mind your own business month? Like I don't care what goes on in your bedroom, as long as it includes consenting adults. I really don't care. Right. I'm the probably the most gay friendly uh, straight redneck you know, because I don't care. But we're you know we're in this in this cycle now where everything, you know, goes from awareness. We just go from like companies, their websites and their, their online ordering and their, their pop-up notifications and emails. Like it just goes from one social justice thing to the next. And yeah, and it's so much, I stopped, I stopped paying attention. Yeah. It's white noise. Is what it is. It's the, you know, I I have a white noise app on the phone that I use when when we travel. Otherwise, we have a fan in the room that that does it. But what white noise does is it it, it drowns out everything else. And that's 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 what all these these you know this month that month Women's Month Black uh, Black History Month. Uh, uh, Asian and Pacific Islander month. It it turns into white noise where, you know, because everybody's special, nobody's special. Well, not everybody's like, special. Ugh. Well, that's true. You're not. Well, I mean. I mean, except to me. Uh-huh. You're special to me. Sure. <laughs> sure. Lucky me. Your mommy says you're special. Well, Obviously. <laughs> but no, it's, but I, I get what you're saying. Just it's one of those things where I don't. The Braves are having a, a Pride Night at one of their games. I could not possibly care less if it's a, a game that I could find decent priced tickets. I'm going. Don't care. It just it. People got mad at Disney for a while because they had a, a Pride Parade. Don't care. Don't yeah, think that's really the venue for kids, but whatever. Don't care. It's not that I, you know, like if they want to do it, that's fine too. I mean, a private business, like whatever issues they want to. For me, the the reason I don't like the, you know, all the wet, like they, it's because if you're not doing it, then you're called out. Like all these clothing companies, all these music companies, uh, streaming networks and everything. Like if you don't have something dedicated to that, then all of a sudden you're 
You're awful. Like, what if they just don't want to recognize any holidays? What if they just want to provide the service that they are, they created to provide? Like, if they just want to sell freaking clothes. Right. So this is no longer a thing where they're supporting uh, gay rights or gay pride or anything else. Right. Is that they're af- afraid. So they're putting something up because they're uh, afraid of the repercussions of not. The Georgia Virtue does not change logos we don't have a rainbow logo for Pride Month. We don't we don't do any of that. We just I'm here to provide the news. That's it. Well, Dr. Cool's the same way. I don't change stuff uh based on whatever month it is. If 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 uh if you're gay and you need air conditioning, call me. If you're straight and you need air conditioning, call me. If uh you're a boy in a dress and need air conditioning, call me. Don't care. Everybody's green to me. I don't care who reads my articles either, as long as they keep the article open for at least one minute and 10 seconds to keep, you know, our stats above the industry average time on site. (laughs) I don't really care where you're from. Yeah, it's Capitalist Pride Month every month. Amen. So we have uh, one more thing on last week's show. The AP reported that 37,000 people crossed over during the primary election. Yeah, we didn't have this information when we recorded last week. So even though we recorded later, didn't we? Yeah, because I had a trial. Um, so even not though... Not on trial. Right. I was not on trial. Not this time. Um, but we found out, I guess it was the 31st. So right after, I guess that was what... Monday or Tuesday, I don't know. the The news came out that um, the tallies were, uh, you know, thirty seven thousand people who voted in a Democratic primary two years ago cast ballots in the Republican primary, which is they said it, they called it an unusually high number of crossover voters. And like, sure, I'm sure there's people who are like, well, maybe some people didn't, you know, because Stacey in twenty, well, they said two two years ago, but even four years ago, the Democratic Repu- or the Democratic um, primary was contested. It was Stacey Abrams and um, what is her name? Abrams? No, the other one, Stacey. How, how am I forgetting this? Oh, oh, what oh. What the hell? I, I can't believe I can't remember this. Um, uh, wow. Anyway, there was, there was, there was not a ton on the Democratic ballot. I mean, there was stuff down the ballot as we went, but they're saying that this was to um, push back against Trump's um, picks, which, you know, maybe that's maybe that's true. I mean, I guess it has to be. I don't... I, I, I have to think, though, that that's for down the ballot um, races as opposed to governor because, you know, Kemp, first of all, he obliterated Purdue, but I feel like Stacey would have obliterated Purdue too. So you would think that they, like Democrats, would want Purdue or Candace as opposed to Kemp, who already beat her once. Um, So I have to think that it was for down-the-ballot races like Raffensperger and obviously not Lieutenant. I mean, Lieutenant Governor was close, but Burt Jones pulled it out and he was endorsed by Trump. This is very odd. It was a very odd election cycle as a whole. But well, I think it goes to show you that the uh, celebrity or uh, and whatever you want to call Trump, I, 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 he's he's in that weird area of celebrity politician. Uh, endorsements just don't matter. People vote the way they're going to vote. Now, I would credit the thirty-seven thousand. Not, not obviously not all of them, but to Herschel Walker. That a lot of people saw his name on a ballot, and huh, we have at least that many people who were big Georgia fans who could have crossed over for that. And we also have a case where two years two years ago the the presidential race was not contest obviously not contested. We had we had a sitting president, um, and so a lot of a lot of Republicans crossed over and voted for the weakest opponent that they could think of, and it turned out to be Joe Biden. Yeah. And look, uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh called it Operation Chaos. 
And that was when Which Hillary thing? was running. Uh, yeah. cro- crossing over and voting oh. the Democratic primary. And, and it was, uh, uh, I think it was Hillary running, but it was it, the, the idea was to, to keep that primary going as long as possible so they keep spending money and hitting each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, to some extent, I mean, there's always going to be some crossover voting. I think people um, ignore what people are willing to do for their local races. Like you see all the time where um, in a sheriff's race, people will vote in a race they don't normally vote in simply to be able to pick a sheriff's candidate or I, I don't know that necessarily like a commission candidate or a state court judge or some or board of education. Well, boards, most of them are nonpartisan, but um, you don't really see that as much, but like, especially in, in rural Georgia, the sheriff's race is, easily sometimes the only race people are turning out for. So it's always a thing, but I, I mean, I, I would agree that 37,000 is a lot, but, um, I mean, I guess what, what did they, the, the only race that I could truly foresee this helping the Democrats in is Raffensperger, because there are lots of people who would not, like, I've never cast a vote for Brad Raffensperger. I will not cast a vote for him in November, um, I wasn't a crossover voter, but I think there are plenty of people who are going to say, I don't want to, I don't want to vote for him. I'm not voting for anybody or I'm voting libertarian or I feel like that's the only race that that would really. Yeah. And, and 37,000 is a big number for people who even know who Raffensperger is. Well, the, pe- the reason they know who they, that he is because. I mean, he's considered, for Democrats, he's considered somebody who stood up against Trump. Democrats and moderates, but. Well, and that may be true. But, I, you know, in the abstract, but 37,000 is a big number for that. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. There, there are a lot of people who consider themselves independents. And like you said, they'll... they'll get whichever party back and forth with no sinister intent, but sure. it's a, it, it's a commissioner. It's a sheriff. It's, it's again, Herschel Dam Walker. It's that Stacey in. Abrams didn't have an opponent. I mean, there's lots of reasons. Well, if I don't have to worry about governor, then I'll go vote on this. You know, I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons people do it. Um, but not according to uh, Jane Seaver. Yes. She, um, you know, she ran for lieutenant governor. I think she came in fourth, maybe third. No, I mean, I don't even know who. I skipped that race, too, because I was just like, none of you people earned my vote. But she sent out a letter. Um, well, she sent a letter to Raffensperger on June 2nd, so last Thursday, and said, it has come to our attention today, several news reports, that there have been flaws discovered in the Dominion voting or Dominion, excuse me, Dominion machines tallying of votes and the scan codes on the printed paper ballots. And our campaign is demanding for a hand recount and forensic audit for all 159 counties in Georgia for the Lieutenant Governor's primary held on May 24th, 2022. Your prompt attention to this matter would be greatly appreciated. And then she signed it and she's referring to, and I think this report or there'll be like official statements by the time the show drops, but because there was supposed to be a statement coming out on Friday, but basically she's referring to an Associated Press um, piece, I guess, that came out. You know, we've heard about this before, but um, because we talked about it on the show, but this was about the voting software vulnerabilities in some states and leaving them susceptible to hacking if if it was unaddressed. And I think they said um, 16 states and it's a report from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, which is a federal agency but um you know my favorite part of the letter is where it says personal and confidential then she released it she did and she she did um you know look it's we're not getting rid of the machines we just got them we cost a hundred million dollars we talked about this in uh, 2020. You know, you and I talked about this in 2020 that we're not going to take that $100 million and throw it away. 
the machines are here to stay. Uh, if somebody who came in so distant to demand a recount, it's the same thing. Did you see Trump's statements on Kemp this week? No. He he said, um, I can't recall where he put out the statement, um, but this is what he said. He said, on primary day in Georgia, Kemp gets 74% and Purdue gets 22%. Nobody in any election in America gets 74% of the votes, ever. It doesn't happen. Obvious fraud. Okay, first of all, Purdue is just that bad. <laughs> like, he just is. Um, he tried to unseat an incumbent governor. By trashing the Georgia State Patrol, by trashing the gas tax exemptions during... Which has been extended. Right, but like... And will continue to be extended, I'm sure. But he just picked all the wrong issues. And he is... I mean, he, he's unrelatable. Totally. But I don't you care have how to- much denim he wears. He's, un- he's undamn relatable. Just... Trump, shut up. But he is perpetuating that. I mean, like, I understand that. I mean, I'm not a fan of the machines. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, 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 I don't like the machines because for the sole purpose that we crafted the legislation so that we only had two companies to be able to solicit bids from. Like, we should have never narrowed the field so much and, and given lobbyists and, and private entities so much. I mean... Totally, you know, and of course, when you have something that connects to the internet at some point or is electronic, there's, I mean, there's I, so many problems. But my 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 thought on on fraud is the same thing that I said uh, right after the 2020 election is the accountability of where memory cards are, mm-hmm. uh, the way recounts are done. Uh, I think that is far more likely than somebody sinister hacking into these machines. And then if, if, if you wanted to have Kemp win and not draw attention, sort of like cheating on a test, you never give yourself a hundred. Sure. You deliberately miss one or two. Right. So you, you'd have had him at 55, 56 where the polls had him. Fact is Purdue was, was a, a crap candidate. Uh, Candace Taylor was swimming way too deep for for her ability, and the other candidates no one ever heard from. So, but, I, I mean, here's another thing though that irritated me about her letter. You know, she talks about like we all have a healthy distrust for the the mainstream media, and she's she sent her letter before seeing the report. She went off of news reports um, and leaks about forthcoming information so she doesn't even know what the report concluded or at the time of her letter she she has no idea that's super disingenuous and it's done now it's certainly done for her yeah the race is done uh the second place has already has already conceded it's done it now if if you want to go back intellectually and do a, a, a true audit and see where if there are any discrepancies, that's fine. And I think that that's a that's a good practice uh, to 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 take and compare the the hand count to to the electronic count and find out where uh, where the problems are. And if they, we have certain precincts that that have problems with again memory cards, uh, things like that, I think that's a that's a really good thing for Raffensperger to do. I just, it's not, you, I highly doubt they're going to find the the numbers to elevate her to be the, the Republican nominee for, for lieutenant governor. It's just, I, I just don't see it. And I totally get the whole thing of like, if, if you know, if our elections, if, if in a couple counties our elections aren't secure, then none of the election is legit. I, I understand all of that, but she's literally throwing everything at the wall because she asked for all 159 counties. And I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I look at a city that is, I think where there's corruption or wrongdoing going on. I can't just say that I've got to have a jumping off point. Well, that's because you have integrity and you're not a politician. 
I that I am not. No. Mm-mm. You're not saying you have integrity, which is not a politician. <laughs> no. Yes, I have integrity, <laughs> but you know, I. Uh, I just I have I don't have much tolerance for. As I've said all along, there is there is fraud and wrongdoing and and missteps in every election. Start with those. Show start where you can show it. Don't just. And look, we're talking about fractions of one percent. Yes, you know, let, let, let's dive into it. When when you know you talk about Purdue that lost by fifty percent. Uh, when you when you talk about people who got their political asses handed to them, it's just it's just not a good look. You know, like I said, with with twenty twenty, we we recorded shortly after the. Uh, I don't know if the if the audit was being done or what was going on, but you know we talked about going to bed at midnight and waking waking up the next morning finding finding out that they found quote unquote found a bunch of ballots and pushed Biden over. Well, that's something that needed to be investigated. When you got when you got just when your opponent mopped the floor with you, just go away. It's done. If you if you want to run for office again again in a few years, start working on that. But to cry foul when when you're not even in the running is 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 amazing. Now we do have the sheriff in one of Atlanta's largest suburbs trying to uh, uh, trying out electronic bracelets to monitor inmates' vital signs. Cobb. I would say that's probably uh, one of the biggest uh, suburbs of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the sheriff ran on the platform. I mean, that Cobb has had an unusually high number of in-custody deaths, even for the large amount of people that it incarcerates. I mean, it's it's unusually high. Um, but this is an interesting concept. I, you know, I think it's good that he's taking this because it, it's going to monitor their vitals. My concern is that like, like you look at it from a positive of, I think about, especially down here in rural Georgia, where you might have one jailer and one person at the front working in an, on an evening shift or, um, on a weekend or something, and that's that's short staff. I so it would be nice if they could get a little alert. My concern is that they'll use it to the opposite and be like, "Well, we don't need as many people because we've automated this." And I don't think that that is a good thing at all. And I, I don't know that's where they're heading with it. I know there are several I, municipalities that are trying out this technology with inmates who are, who are released instead of an ankle monitor yes. to have this, what looks like a, a smartwatch. And it kind of does away with the, with the stigma of, of being, being out on bail. Cause I mean, look, if, if you're applying for a job and you're wearing an ankle monitor, the person interview you sees it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, depending on what you're applying for, but I hear you. I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. So the uh, doing away this the technology doing away with the the stigma that goes along with it. Uh, this the uh, the availability to see that somebody is is in uh, is in crisis is not bad. But you're right. There there are anything that comes out. There's going to be a an official who uses it to, uh, you know, to nefarious re- uh, purposes, w- whether it's to cut jail staff or whatever. And I don't think that, I mean, you, um, I don't think that this is the, like, I don't think it was created with that in mind. I think it's just, it could easily be an unintended consequence. And I, I don't want that to be the case because... Well, for a lot of reasons, but sometimes we see things as an efficient, like when there's success and efficiency seen, it goes the opposite direction. And 
it's it's one of the things that you just can't substitute people like a bracelet can monitor stats and things and vitals but a person an attentive person is, is unmatched you can't substitute that I guess that's. I agree, I mean. especially in a jail, you you can't substitute having guards on site and you know, seeing guards. someone. Oh, they they're not acting right. You know, right? Or or they're getting the crap beat out of them. I think this should be a tool in the toolbox that you use in addition to. And and again, like I said, I have no reason to believe that it's it that they're it's for. I mean, right now it's just a positive, especially in Cobb. I think it's great. I just. We see shortages everywhere. Every jail I know just about is short-staffed. And so I, I, I just want this to continue to be something that is in addition to not. Well, and, and we're short-staffed because we're, we're stuck in this, in this cycle where we jail people for what they ingest. And we pay jailers 37000 a year, something like that. Yeah, I mean the starting pay is like down here is like fourteen forty seven an hour in some places. Like, what the hell? Right, but yes, you know, you're talking I, about I, druggies. But would you hang out with a murderer for fourteen dollars and forty seven cents an hour? I guess it depends on who he killed. Um, Dave. <laughs> would I put my life on the look? One of the best quotes I heard ta- talking to a uh, sheriff's deputy was. I wouldn't do your job if it paid well. Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, you know, working in a jail sucks. I mean, I, I, either you, for a lot of guys, it's a, it's a, it's a stepping off point into law enforcement and then they, they can go get on the road and, sure. and move up from there. But working in the jail just sucks. I mean, jails, you know, They're dirty. stink. Yeah, they stink. They're dirty and they're, they're they're full of you know dirty people and you know with with the exception of of you know people who are falsely accused like you have down there where they spend two years sitting in a dirty jail only to be found not guilty but it's full of criminals and 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 you're walking around with a with a big target on your back waiting waiting for that person to to take a shift to you I mean I I I see how jailers get jaded. I think there's a there's a very short uh, cycle for anybody who can come in for the right reasons, and before you get absolutely jaded and just hate everybody you interact with, I, I see how that can happen. On the flip side of that, though, a lot of the I mean, I certainly don't know all of them, but a lot of the jailers who went on to be patrol deputies are better. Because they learned how to talk to people and interact with people and um, curb possibly dangerous behavior with only their words, which is a phenomenal tool to have out on the road. You know, I'm not saying that you have to have it. There's plenty of patrol deputies that are great that, you know, haven't had that experience, but... And and I and I I've read several articles that are specifically towards prisons. And it's, uh, yeah. uh, you know, what do you, what do you, you know, it's, people can ask open questions and, and, and people who have been jailers or prison guards and people who've been prisoners will, will answer. And one of the things that, that overwhelmingly I see is respect the, the mm-hmm. guards who treat the prisoners with respect uh, are res- in return res- respected and aren't mistreated. And it's the guys that come in with you know an attitude that are the ones that 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 end up biting a shiv or are getting hit or you know uh, there's there's a uh, there there's a certain respect. And this is again from from me reading. Uh, I've 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 never stepped foot in a prison mm-hmm. on on either side. But it, it 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 seems from what I re- from what I read, it's on both sides, from the guards and from the prisoners, that 
going in and just like you said, using verbal skills to de-escalate and not immediately go, going to violence or immediately going to punishment if, if you're if you're a guard and talking people down and tr- and treating them well. I'm sure that, that that does play very well in the streets when you have somebody who who is aggressive and you can you can talk them down rather than going immediately to to a firearm or a less than lethal uh, device. Mm-hmm. No. So once again, I failed to tell you where you're wrong. Well, and you know, we kind of got a little bit off base there with the with the um, bracelets and the monitoring, but I, I don't know the cost or the price point or anything, but I certainly, you know, within reason and within what's available, I think that it's a positive. I don't, I mean, I certainly don't know anything other than what we discussed, but like right off the bat, I don't think there's a negative to it. Oh, it's like any other tool. It, it can be used poorly. Whether you're talking about a hammer, a pistol, or a, 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 a monitor, it can certainly be used poorly. Mm-hmm. What we need is a, is a monitor they wear that, that goes off when they have cell phone signals going, going by them. Because apparently yeah. it's easier to get a cell phone in a South Georgia prison than, than it is at Verizon. It's nuts what's happening, but that's a choice. So, that's a choice that Department of Corrections is making. So, speaking of nuts, oh, we have oh. two of them right here. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial came to a conclusion. I'm assuming you didn't watch any of it. I okay. One of the people I follow on Facebook is Aussie Man Reviews. And mm-hmm. the only reason he's funny is he has an Australian accent, but and, and I have watched some some of his video on on the uh, testimony. But as far as like sitting down and watching court TV, hell no. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch it either. But I I really thoroughly enjoyed the um, memes and the clips and things like that over the last several weeks. And obviously, I because <laughs> like when it first started, it was a very long trial. It was several weeks, but. I mean, wasn't it like six weeks? Yeah, it was. It, it drug on forever. But I, I remember Eric and I were going to do some candidate interviews, and he's like, "Have you been watching whatever?" And I was like, "Well, I heard about it. Like, what? What are? What are they in court over?" And he's like, "Defamation." So of course, then you know, since I've been accused of defaming the Guyton Police Department, I went and like read about it and read some background on it. And um, but I did follow like the headlines. I didn't do a lot of deep diving. It, research but then of course when the verdict came out last Wednesday I guess at this point um I was fascinated because it is interesting to me I mean I am I totally think she was in the wrong I think she knew that it was incorrect I think she perjured herself a lot throughout the trial and you know I don't think that he's like the uh ideal guy that a mother like dreams of her daughter ending up with. I don't think either of them, but none of us are perfect, but I, I don't think he's like just an innocent party. However, so I you don't think, think it, Kim's trying to set you up with Johnny. I don't, I really don't. Um, but I think it's funny that, you know, he was awarded 15 million by the jury and she was awarded 2 million by the jury because of some, what was interesting is because her, award was because of something his lawyer said um about her what Depp's lawyer said which whatever but um and then of course those both exceeded the state limits in Virginia of $330,000 so they both got bumped down to that and I know that Johnny Depp did it on principle I think he was willing to spend whatever amount of money he had to and get nothing to be able to put the truth out there I mean that I, I think that that um, was his end goal, but I, the the media throughout the whole thing, kind of just reported on it. But then when it came down to the verdict, they only the headlines were all about what Depp was awarded, and there was very little focus on the fact that she was also awarded something, and very little focus on the fact that it was bumped down from fifteen million to three hundred thirty thousand because the jury picked an amount that was not legal. Well, we're talking about two horrible human beings. Right. Neither, I mean, 
They're both nuts. Amber is crap the bed nuts. Johnny likes cocaine and alcohol and and uh, and, yeah. and is well, yeah. I mean that that affliction uh, is common. Uh, so, and and you're right. This was never about money for for Johnny Depp. That this was he was losing gigs because he was accused of being uh, an abuser. Right. And I don't. And I see that. I've heard people say that it's a rebuke of the Me Too movement and believe every woman and all that stuff. And I don't think it is. I think the the movement against abuse is bigger than one person. I've always thought it was dumb to say uh, believe every woman. And, of course. And I think, and I think the better... Um, Better way to say that is everyone should be heard. Well, not Amber heard, but heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if you have if you have an accusation, you know you should be allowed to be heard. And I don't. I I really don't see it as as the I I, I heard pundits uh, talk about this being the death of the Me Too movement, and I always thought again, Me Too is stupid. Uh, just, just as a title of a movement, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it's the death death of that movement because there, you know, I I don't think anybody believes that any person, male or female, or Q X Y Z because it is Feb it is uh, February it, it is June we have to recognize the uh, women that happen to have peckers. Uh, I don't think anybody should be uh, should be abused. In any relationship, and and I don't think this this kills that. It certainly doesn't kill it in me. What it does highlight is men can be victims too. That men can be victims of salacious rumors of women who go out and say things about them of things that are not accurate. Because all it you don't have to prove it. All all you have to do is be labeled as you know I heard. He smacked so and so around, and that's it. I mean, that's it. I'm guilty of it too. Not smacking women around. I'm guilty of it too. If I hear somebody, you know, was accused of smacking his wife around, I don't want to be around that person. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wouldn't employ that person if, if, and that's that. That's horrible for me to say as a business owner. Uh, but if I heard that this person w- was abusive to to uh, to his wife, I certainly can't send him into a home where maybe the wife is there to meet the technician. I I can't I, I can't do that. So Johnny was losing gigs based on this. Had she just done the divorce, she would still be an Aquaman, and he would still be Jack Sparrow. Right. I mean. The real well, I mean, there are a lot of people who really, truly think that she was wronged, and that like one of the comments was that this all happened because um, we rely on juries of regular people who are not set up to where to to weigh intimate partner violence, um, and that these people just didn't understand, and that I mean, it's kind of like the co- the conversation we had about. Um, insanity and whether someone's insane although i think this is certainly a step down from that because you're not talking about you're talking about a medical condition and a, and a chemical thing at some point versus um actions that are supposed to be when you get to the courts are supposed to be at some level verifiable um i can't but your question to me when i was talking about our jurors qualified to do that was well who else would you rather do it and i would you know, that would be the same question you would ask here is, well, if, if regular jurors are not qualified to weigh these types of things, be it in a civil case or a criminal case, are we only supposed to have legal experts and lawyers and people who work at domestic violence um, safe haven centers? Because that sounds terribly dangerous to me. People who are stuck and caught up in the nuances of the system yeah obviously they have a purpose but i mean they're still caught up in it they live and breathe it 
it didn't matter how this trial came out. Johnny came off really well. Mm-hmm. And look, Johnny Depp and I would not be friends. He wouldn't like me at all. Yeah. You know, um, our opinions on the way the world works and all that stuff, totally different. But he came off as reasonable, as as somebody who's who's been... He came off very, very well. Cool, and, calm, and collected, truly. I mean, he right. kept his cool during the the trial. Yeah, it, and he... Understand, these are both actors. He also has been an actor longer than she's been alive. So the fact that he came off better, I don't know that he's a better better person. Of course, I think he is because he didn't crap the bed. Um, but he came off so endearingly that you know people were lined up outside with signs supporting him. I mean, it, it was hard not to like Depp. Uh, through this whole thing. And again, you are on the same page where I, I didn't watch a whole lot. I read more than I watched, mm-hmm. uh, ab- ab- you know, about the analysis and, and what happened and the slip ups that her lawyer made where they opened the door to having, Oh, uh, what, which, which ex-girlfriend was it? Was it Kate Winslet? Was that his ex-girlfriend? I can't remember which, which actress it was that they opened the door. And once they, breached that subject the lawyer was fist pumping because now he can call her mm-hmm. uh it Johnny was not good out. for her i mean it was a whole it couldn't have gone worse for amber heard no 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 and uh nobody can will everybody will look at her again without thinking about her crapping in a bed which is just alarming i there's something called the crazy hot matrix mm-hmm and oh, yeah. she's she's in the no-go zone on that one. Because she's above an eight crazy and above an eight hot. You don't think she's less attractive after hearing about some of her behavior? Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, Oh, yeah. But you also realize that the crazy ones are fun. You just don't take them home. Okay. That's what Johnny did wrong. Mm-hmm. You don't marry the well, crazy. He married ones. her, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. So we have the latest. No, you the, need to uh, tell people these are not. Oh yeah! Opinions. After after I say crazy things, mm-hmm. this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. So we have more of the war on parents. This is a recurring issue on the show, but I think that it's a, I mean, it's a current recurring problem across the country. So every time I see stories about it, I try to at least couple a couple of them together. But this one is out of New Jersey and it's it's nuts. This woman um, was a teacher's aide, and she kept getting fired. Like, they would hire her conditionally, and then she would get let go. And it happened several times, um, like, soon after she had been engaged for employment. And she eventually found out, because she had not been notified, but she found out that she had been placed on the Child Abuse and Neglect Registry which employers and um, law enforcement and adoption agencies can access. And she'd been on it for 10 years and didn't know it um, because at some point she had gone to the grocery store. There were two kids in the back of her car. It wasn't hot. Um, They were sleeping. It was, you know, whatever. I don't know what it was, but I don't know what the temperature was. I don't know the specifics of the case, but they were fine. She was ran in to pick up a birthday cake that was already ready. And I think the kids were, I think they said three and five. Um, and she was charged with inadequate supervision, which is like the most bogus charge in the world to me. I mean, that's like not even, how is that even a crime? Inadequate supervision. Like, but, um, She's been on the registry. They didn't tell her she was on the registry because that's kind of like, I mean, it can come with a criminal conviction, but it can also come if you're charged with something like that 
or more severe, and then a case agent is assigned to you a on a civil process, it can you can just be placed on the registry and never be told. And that's what happened to her. So for 10 years, she was on it and didn't didn't know for something that, you know, someone and someone called the cops while she was in the store for five minutes, too, which is a whole other. Yeah. The fact that she could be on this registry, not know it, it's non-judicial. It's it's a caseworker. It's literally somebody who works for the government, who has no accountability and really doesn't have to have a reason, can throw you on this list. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I was left in a car. Oh, heck yeah. My mom would be, she'd leave me in the emergency lane and I couldn't even move the car myself. Yeah, my, I distinctly re- remember my mom running into the bank or running, you know, convenience stores really, weren't really all that much of a thing then, but uh, it was before you could pay at the pump. So you'd go to a gas station, you have to go in and pay. And mm-hmm. I, I remember being, you know, very young and, you know, mom running into the store to to, to pay for the gas and come, coming back out. It's, you know, my little brother and I are 18 months apart thereabouts. Uh, so yeah, you have, have a, uh, a, a four and five year old or three and five year old sitting in the car and I'll be right back. And, and we were fine. I understand and, it's a different world we live in. Okay. It is a different world. I don't disagree. I mean, the things that we were able to do as kids, even 20 years ago are different because we live in a horrible world. We also live in a horrible world because of technology and things that never even, you don't even have to leave your house to become a victim of. But like, this is a problem. This isn't just, this happened in New Jersey, but it's a problem all over. Like they referenced the, um, the registry in Michigan, which said that they could confirm that um, they had not even notified 40% of the people it put on the list. Like, to me, this isn't like the no, first of all, I don't believe the no fly list. I don't think you should not be allowed to know you're on that. But like, we're talking about something where you very well may be a teacher or you may be something that involves children or you may have children and you're on a, a registry where the government has flagged you and you don't know it. To me, that is that is disgusting. Sure, it's double secret probation. It's something that uh, National Lampoon's made fun of in uh, Animal House. It was it was you know this it was such a ridiculous idea that it was a joke in a movie that you know you'd be on this list and have no idea you could be on the no fly list uh, it, it, for for no good reason uh but the fact that the government is maintaining these lists and there's no way to or it's very difficult to find out if you're on it and then damn near impossible to come off I mean, she's working as a teacher's aide, and these are positions that we're having, you know, nationally a hard time filling. And then, on top of that, like, there's no parity in how each state handles, like, how long you're on it, of, of course. Um, even though, you know, there's interstate compacts so that people can see different, or not people, but people in the special group of judicial officers and law enforcement and case agents and stuff um, and employers. They can see across state lines and stuff. But like in New York, until recently, they stayed on the registry, if you were placed on it, until their oldest child turned 28. Well, I don't... That could be 28 years. I'm sorry, their youngest child turned 28. That's absurd. It's it's also absurd that you're keeping this person out of working with children until if she was truly a threat, uh, the, the age of, of her child would, would be irrelevant. It's what she did is something that almost every parent I know has done. And technology has made things easier. Like uh, in, in my truck now, because I have push button ignition I can lock the doors and leave the air conditioning on. Mm-hmm. People do that with their dogs all the time. 
Uh, there was a there's a great uh, 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 meme on on Rush's uh, uh, website, the band Rush, that says uh, uh, he's cool. He has water, air conditioning's running, and li- he's listening to Rush. Mm-hmm. Please don't break the window. Right. I had I had a bunch of people outside because uh, Allie was a bit of a, a drama queen. No. But I had to I had to I had to go to the bathroom. So I pulled into a Publix and cracked the windows, and it was you know sixty eight degrees outside. It was not hot. Went in to use, use the bathroom, came out, and there, there was a crowd because she was crying because she missed her daddy. Uh, that they're like, you're just awful, and I I blew up at them. I said I don't even have a bag in my hand. I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't even buy anything. Right. But because I was in there for five minutes, and she's such a drama queen, uh, uh, she she drew a crowd because you know she wanted me back in the wanted me back in the car with her. But but that's way off subject. It's just you know this is two different issues in this. One, the list is list itself is 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 awful. It's wrong. There's no way to come off of it. There's no, and you don't even know that you're on it. It doesn't involve a conviction. They just decide I'm going to put you on this list, and the other being that leaving a, a three and a five year old in, in, in the car on a moderate day to run and grab a cake instead of anybody who's ever had to wake up a three and a five year old and, and push him through a store to grab a cake understands leaving him in the car for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, as as somebody who shops. I'd prefer you to leave the damn kids in the car because I don't want to listen to them screaming because because you woke them up and all that stuff as I walk through the store because I'm an a-hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. But in Georgia, the state recently paid out $3 million to settle a lawsuit from a family of twin girls who died in foster care. Yeah, so like you talk about how we're going to charge a woman with inadequate supervision and put her on a registry yet the state here okay so what happened is these three-year-old twins had been um with their mother for several years before they were placed in foster care and they were removed because of filth and violence and neglect and and a judge ordered them to be and their two older siblings to be placed in foster care um this happened in south georgia like in i think it was in I think it happened in Bryan County where they were removed, but they were um, living in Liberty County, which is right next door um, when this happened. And basically they wandered off um, from their caretaker and got trapped in a scorching hot car in September of 2019. And apparently the foster mother, her name was Claudette or her name is Claudette Foster. She's been charged with murder um, and I don't know what the status of her case is, but the family went after the state because they said there were all these red flags about the foster family, um, that they could have seen, like she was allowing the children to be around her boyfriend, which there's lots of no-nos when you become a foster parent, like it's legislated and, and they, they, they've amended it and loosened it over the years so that you can have babysitters and stuff, but those types of babysitters have to be vetted and, and all kinds of things. Um, but she was letting her boyfriend care for the girls when she was not around. And um, she had an alcohol problem. And like a lot of this was documented in the file. Case in point, DFACs knew, or, you know, they, they were aware of this stuff. They had documented, they'd put it in the file. They had contracted as they do in most cases with a private child placement agency Um and they were to blame as well. But of course, when you contract with somebody, the state's still liable. So the state's, you know, the state um, paid out a hefty settlement for the life of two girls who were neglected basically their entire lives, which is a terrible thought in itself. But they, they even had something in there from the EMS report from the day the girls were found in the car that said an EMS first responder came into the residence and asked Miss Foster for the children's birthdays to which Ms. Foster was unable to provide. EMS also asked Ms. Foster if she could give the proper spelling of their first and last names, to which she stated she was not sure how to spell them, but tried to remember the names the best she could. Um, and, like, 
you know, two two months. I said she had that problem with alcohol two months before the girls wandered off. Um, she'd gotten a DUI, which isn't necessarily. I mean, I don't think that someone who has a DUI shouldn't be allowed to adopt or foster um, children or anything. But in this case, it was obviously like. They weren't doing unannounced home visits. They knew about the boyfriend. They just gave him like a verbal warning not to stay overnight. So instead, they went and the the foster mom and the girls went and stayed at his house because they had said, don't let him stay overnight at the house. Like just stupid stuff like that. And DFAX was completely aware of it. And so just as we always do, um, we settled and DFAX was the DFAX workers who totally dropped the ball weren't held accountable <laughs> so well, we're charging have, the I, woman go ahead i have two things one foster parents overwhelmingly are people with the biggest hearts you, you can you, you can fathom yes you're raising someone else's child and, yeah and bring them in into your home uh i i know somebody who uh, ended up adopting uh the, the foster child uh, and I know, and I know about the rules. The rules even are in pictures on Facebook. Uh, he had to blur out in, yep. until the the adoption was done. He couldn't even publish the the pictures. But he and his wife and his kids, for that matter, are some of the nicest, best human beings that you can, you know, even even imagine. But unfortunately, you get the polar opposite of people who want that check from the state. Who work as as uh, as child storage, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I've got a friend who works for DFAX. He's a some sort of executive with DFAX. Uh, and I was talking to him one day because I, I was in a house, and, and the house was was not great. Uh, reeked of pot. Uh, I don't mean like you smoked a joint once. I mean, the whole house reeked of weed. Now, and I wasn't calling to report him, but I was, but I was, I was asking him. I said, Mike, um, you know, what's the what's the scenario you guys look for with this? Because you know, I, I was looking at this house and, and how awful it was. He goes, it has to be worse than putting him in the system for for me to do anything. And of course, this this goes back to the other story where individual caseworkers. And he's not a caseworker anymore. He's uh, he does something with training and education or something. Um, but but his point was, so many times these kids are taken out of marginal situations where, you know, maybe they could take parenting classes or be counseled or something like that. And they're put into something way worse where they're put in with somebody like, well, literally this foster mother, considering mm-hmm. her name, uh, is for, for him that... That was the 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 dividing line was is putting this child in the system worse than where they are, and that's scary. It is, and I'm sympathetic to how. I mean, we don't have enough foster, or we don't have enough defects case agents in our um, in our state, and most. From what I understand, most states don't. Um, and I am sympathetic to their heavy caseload. <laughs> but if you weren't if you weren't going after parents who, you know, had left their child in the car for five minutes while they ran in to get a cake, then you'd have a few less and you could focus on the important things. Um, yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm married to a foster child who well, and- had an awful awful upbringing after her parents died awful um so i'm i am absolutely sympathetic to it but i'm but i think i think you're absolutely right if it it goes back to any law enforcement if we weren't focused on stupid stuff Mm -hmm. they could actually look at real crime right and one of the experts that was commenting in the article this was a long piece on the AJC about this, but he was like, you know, maybe because there aren't enough foster homes, that's the reason that this happened. So they don't enforce the rules because there's not enough foster homes. And and I'm sure 
well, I'm not sure. I would like to believe that he said that in hopes that it would resonate with people and they would be like, wow, maybe if they felt called to foster, they would do it because they know they could see how like desperate the state is for people to house these children. I hear, I mean, I would like to think that that was his purpose. However, it's hard for me to accept that at, you know, face value without him saying and going further into it because not having enough homes to place children is a terrible reason to not enforce the rules because children end up dead. And again, like you're not focusing on the important things. So your case agents are like, well, these three-year-olds who might be in danger, we just have to let them go because we don't know where else we would put them. Well, maybe put them with the family that is currently housing children from, you know, a spanking case or something where they're, it, it, it was like a little it, quite egregious. I mean, I just it was completely yeah. preventable and the state is 100 percent to blame and they have no excuse for it. And it will happen again. And we're doing no, nothing in, to in, fix it. In the, in the stuff that you have to go through to become a, an adoptive parent or a foster parent. And we looked at this, you know, you, 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 most people who know, know me know, are well aware that, that, that I don't have kids, but they get into how you store your guns, even in a safe that they can't be stored in the same safe with ammunition. Uh, I've got an extensive bourbon collection of, of rare and hard, you know, hard to find bourbons uh, can't, cannot be accessible. They can't be on the bar uh, that you know that are on display in my house. Uh, they can't, you know, it's stuff like that. And then you've got people like this piece of trash can can collect them and, and, and collect checks. It's and the fact that they did no they did no home visits that they knew they knew about the boyfriend. And, and look, this is, doesn't doesn't even come down to the boyfriend, but these were rule infractions that they overlooked because. I'm going to guess because they work for a state agency and they're lazy. Well, you know, and we, we, we yeah. hear about these stories. They where, were where I'm sorry. I was going to say, we hear about the stories where, where people have neighbors have reported things and, uh, and nothing happens like that. They'll go out and do one visit and leave it alone mm-hmm. or, you know, other things that, that, that parents are that, that neighbors and, uh, People report to to defects that never get taken care of. And not, I'm not talking specifically Georgia, but we see these stories from around the country. Yeah, I mean, and then there's really no, I guarantee you our state still has a contract with the private matching company that is, I forget what it's called, Morningside something or other. But, you know, I guarantee you we didn't terminate our contract with them um, and stop letting them place, even though they were responsible for the background check and the upkeep's the wrong word, but like oversight of the continued management of, or by, you know, fostering by this woman. It's just, it's a travesty. It is. And there are uh, two sweet children who will never grow up thanks to it. Right. So with that cheery news, Jess, do you have any closing thoughts? I don't. We've already run quite long, so. Yes. The only thing I, I'd say is uh, Truist, the bank that was BB&T and SunTrust, is running the worst commercials. Uh, the first one they started running, uh, it was closest thing to uh, Truth in Advertising, where Truist was represented by a rolling piece of garbage that kept interacting with people. It, it, trust me, this, this was the commercial. It's a rolling piece of garbage. And now it's, you know, born to care. And it was some story of a, of a woman when she was a child uh, using her umbrella to, to, to stop a splash from hitting some kids' school project. Truest, your, your money is welcome here, but you need to fire your marketing firm because they are absolutely awful. I've never... I, it, you know, you know my background with with army psychological operations. Part, you know, a big part of that's marketing. Uh, it is absolutely awful. It, it makes me laugh 
to a certain extent, but it's, I, I, I've never seen one of their commercials that made me go, you know what? I want to put my money there. Yeah, I have. So been. they're terrible. So, oh, the the merger was awful, awful, awful. Yes, I, I was with BB and T, and and uh, as typical, it's such a pain to change that mm-hmm. that I haven't, I haven't found anybody better. Uh, I shouldn't say that my wife works for a bank, but I don't bank at her bank because her employees have no need to know how much money we have. Right. But on that cheery news. I want to big, give a big thank you to Eric Cumbie, who's going to take this audio and make it something you can listen to. To Jessica Salaji, my partner in this endeavor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon